a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. To see, to see the face of God is to be destroyed. So God now veils himself in, in the flesh and blood of Jesus. And he uses that, those means, namely his flesh and his blood, his life and, and his death, he uses those means to save us. And when we were baptized at the font with God's name placed upon us in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, with the sign of the cross being placed upon our forehead and our hearts marking as ones redeemed. We were adopted as sons of God. Uh, I think... Oh, huh? 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 Oh, oh. Are we doing the show now? Is the theme over? Beware, this is Table Talk Radio. Welcome back, uh, Evan. I know you're feeling kind of down. I am too. We got this memo in the mail, Evan, that that the Minnesota South District Board of Directors has sold our microphones. What? I don't know what, what we're going to do about this. They said they wanted to increase the ministry of Table Talk Radio, so they're going to take the proceeds of the sale of microphones and give microphones to all of our listeners so they can make their own show. Oh, that would make sense. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, no. Just kidding. Microphones are safe. I think we own these things. Uh, I, I, well, you never know. We never know. Nail down your churches, folks. See, I, this needs to be one of those situations where uh, you, you just... You, you trust the situation to those who are closest. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, that's right. If you don't know what we're talking about, the uh, Minnesota South District Board of Directors a couple of weeks ago sold the property of University Lutheran Chapel uh, in Minneapolis, uh, right out from over the congregation there. Hee, that by the way is a bad idea. Yeah. Any the district board of directors out there listening, uh, don't sell campus ministries. <laughs> Sheesh. Yeah, it's not it's not too great for campus ministry when you sell the building they worship in. <laughs> oh, and I I um you know I I am certainly no expert in in this, uh, but I did uh, have the 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 great opportunity to spend a year doing campus ministry during my vicarage at the uh, University of Oklahoma. And uh, I, I think that I can say with some degree of certainty that uh, college students won't organize themselves into campus ministries. I, I think that this is something that... <laughs> I know. That's right. Huh? I, I did that, too, on, on my vicarage. We did uh, we started a campus ministry, you know, started with three and ended up with 30. But every day, you know, making 20, 50 phone calls, oh, yeah. over and over and over. <laughs> yeah, it's... I mean, you, you, have, you have better luck. Uh, I mean... So I mean, the the whole thing is, you know, the the whole task is to just be on kids uh, to to come to. So I, I've said this before. I said this to you privately on our, our phone calls that, like, you have let's say let's take just take the ideal situation in the best case scenario, you have a college student who will maybe come to your Sunday morning Bible study and then come to church in the morning, and then you'll maybe have like a, a midweek uh, Bible study too for college students. So you have, with the ideal situation, you have three hours with your with your college student, and then they go to campus and they spend twelve to fourteen hours a week uh, being indoctrinated by this professor who has a special agenda to to dement their mind to a liberal way of thinking. Uh, so even in the best case scenario, we're already losing. 
So it's nice that's when you right. have a, best, and that's best case. Yeah. So it's nice when you have a a, a building to to gather in. That's good. That's right. Okay. Well, um, now that we uh, have reclaimed the uh, property of our microphones, we can tell you that today we're. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh no, we have another visit from our lumpy chunkle something or other. I, by the way, figured out that lumpy is what his friends call him. He's more well known as Sherlock Chunklebuns, P.I. <laughs> He's on the job. He's tracking. He's doing the work for us. This uh, incredibly difficult and tedious work of trying to figure out if the Methodist Church has the sacraments. Uh, so he's he's got another installment, another report coming up. So uh-huh. well, it, as soon it, as I figure out how to play the uh, Pink Panther tune here on my computer, in case you know I'm what sure we're talking be. about and you missed last week's show, you're probably better off for it. Um, but uh, <laughs> uh, we have that we've hired a, our private investigator to. Uh, who is sniffing out some evidence uh, about uh, whether or not the Methodists have have the sacraments. Is that right? Yep, that's right. All right. Uh, and then we're going to be answering your email and then playing Name That Theologian, and if we have time, because we didn't have time last week, uh, to play Contemporary or Traditional, uh, your favorite hymn dating game. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> it's mine. I know it's mine. <laughs> I don't. The other him dating games are pretty good too, but this I think is my favorite. <laughs> yep. Oh. All right, my good. theological so buzzword for I'm you. Kinda, I can't figure out how to get my um my music to play. Are you going to be able to play Pink Panther? I can't find my buzzwords. We'll do buzzwords first. You have, you have a couple Burn minutes. Up. All right. Uh, my All theological right. buzzword for you is Nestorianism. And this is the false teaching that says Jesus existed as two persons, the man Jesus and the, divi- uh, and the divine uh, Son of God, rather than uh, the, the two natures being united united in person. Um, so this is obviously identified with Nestorius, who lived in the uh, end, of the fourth, end of the 4th century into the 5th century, end of 4th, beginning of 5th century. Um, and this, uh, this was this view of Christ was condemned at the Council of Ephesus. So, um, there you have it. The Nestorianism. Okay. Uh, My buzzword for you is a buzz phrase. I think I've used this before. In fact, I think I've used it recently, but it's going to come up today, I I think. I'm not sure what Lumpy's going to say, but I think it might come up. The the buzzword is Manducatio Indignorum. Have we done that? Great. I'm not going to get that one. (laughs) It means manducatio means eating, like mandicate, I guess. Although I don't know if that often comes up in conversation. Uh, mandibles, that's what it is. That means teeth, right? And indignorum means indignant or unbeliever. So the manducatio indignorum is the eating of unbelief. Now, this is the little uh, thing that the Lutherans used to snuff out the crypto-Calvinists back in the day, where they said, hey, uh, does the unbeliever get the body and blood of Jesus in the Lord's Supper? Eh? See? Uh, because they, they, the, the Calvinists and the crypto-Calvinists were sneaking around saying, yeah, we, we commune with the body of Christ by faith. See, by faith, not by mouth. Uh, we get the blood of Jesus by faith, not by lips, uh, so that the, to maintain the, <clears throat> the, the reality of the Lord's Supper, uh, the Lutherans talked about this manducatio indignorum, the eating of the unbeliever. So even the unbeliever gets the body and blood of Jesus. They just don't get the benefits of it because they don't have faith. Uh, the promise is had by faith, but the um, but the body and blood of Jesus is had in, in reality. It's had by the mouth. So that's the buzzword. Have, haven't we used that before? Uh, I don't know. I don't remember any shows back for, uh, before this one. 
Oh, oh, yeah, there it was. Ooh. That's what I like to hear. That <laughs> of my pipe here. <laughs> he really is, too. He sent me a picture of himself uh, smoking his pipe. <laughs> Never mind, it's like 7.30 in the morning. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's Anything the, for the show. That's the joke, by the way. <laughs> I forget people aren't here with us in the studio. <laughs> All right, what do we have for this uh, this edition of uh, Lumpy Chunkle Buns? Is that the name? Is that right? Did I get it right? I don't mind if Pastor Wolfmuller calls me Lumpy, but I prefer you called me Sherlock. <laughs> That's Mr. Lumpy Buns to you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> well... I've been. Uh, you guys are paying me top dollar to research the uh, Methodist view of the sacraments here. And you know, the Methodists come out of the um, Episcopalian Church. John Wesley kind of broke off because the Episcopalians didn't have enough method. <laughs> you think of a worse name for a church, by the way, the Methodists? Yeah. Like the Procedurists <laughs> or the Best Practicedists or something. What a ridiculous thing. Anyway. Uh, some people, uh, no one knows what the Episcopalians believe about the Lord's Supper either, and this is why. Look, I got the Book of Common Prayer. What edition is this? What edition? This one was from 1944. And it says here, this is the word, um, let's see, that, uh, it comes at the Holy Communion. This is, here's the prayer right before the distribution. In the Anglican Church. We do not presume to come to thy table, O merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in thy manifold and great mercies. We're not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under thy table, but thou art the same Lord, whose property it is always to have mercy. Grant us therefore, gracious Lord, so to eat the flesh of thy dear Son, Jesus Christ, and to drink his blood. Our sinful bodies may be made clean by his body, and our souls washed through his most precious blood, and that we may evermore dwell in him and he in us. Amen. Huh? Got that? Did you hear that? No, I wasn't listening. Did you hear you that? Summarize? No. Uh, <clears throat> uh, if you missed it, you missed it. Huh. That's it. But so, the, but then what happens next is... <laughs> are you sad? Look, <laughs> I'm not as nice as that Wolfmuller guy. You're talking to <laughs> Lumpy Chuck. I've been around the block. <laughs> Lumpy, let me stoke my pipe a little bit. Oh, I, I forgot yeah. we weren't talking to Wolfmuller. Oh, I will pay attention then. Okay. <clears throat> After after this uh, uh, after this prayer, saying, hey, Lord, we're going to eat your body and drink your blood, then we get this for the distribution. The body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which was given for thee, preserve thy body and soul under everlasting life. Take and eat this in remembrance that Christ died for thee, and feed on him in thy heart by faith with thanksgiving. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. There it is. Now, now this is going to take us to the 39 articles. I've, I've been doing a lot of digging here. Is that music? Are yes. you cutting me off? This is the lumpy chunklebud you're talking to. Sorry. Uh, so you don't receive the, the presence of uh, Christ in the sacrament in your mouth. It's only by a reception of your heart. All right. Well, let's. we may finish up with our Mr. Lumpy Chunklebuns right after this. Uh, you're listening to Table Talk Radio. my pipe hitting the microphone. The low-budget alternative to staring at the wall. (laughs) This is Table Talk Radio. (laughs) Welcome to 
Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. Still here with uh, our, our Table Talk Radio private investigator. Uh, he has brought before us uh, another piece of evidence in, in this re- crack research that we, we have given him, to whether or not the, uh, the Methodists have sacraments. Do you have any more uh, evidence to, to bring before us at this time? Yes, I do, uh, Evan. I, uh, <clears throat> I have uh, pulled out the Methodist Articles of Religion, written in the year of our Lord, 1784. And these are a, a kind of like a summary of the 39 articles. Now, the 39 articles were the, uh, the statement of faith that the Episcopalian Church uh, got started with the old Anglicans, and John Wesley kind of uh, boiled them down. But Article, um, article 18 of the Methodist Article of, of Religion is exactly the same words as uh, the article on the Lord's Supper from the 39 Articles of Faith. I think it's Article 23 or something. Can't remember. Anyhow, here's what it says. The Supper of our Lord is not only a sign of the love that Christians ought to have among themselves, one to another, but rather is a sacrament of our redemption by Christ's death, insomuch that to say is rightly, worthily, to, sorry, to such as rightly, worthily, and with faith receive the same. The bread which we break is partaking of the body of Christ, and likewise the cup of blessing is a partaking of the blood of Christ. Transubstantiation of the change of the substance of bread and wine in the supper of our Lord cannot be proven by holy writ, but is repugnant to the plain words of Scripture, overthroweth the nature of a sacrament, and hath given occasion to many superstitions. The body of Christ, now here's going to be your key here in this uh, research so far. The body of Christ is given, taken, and eaten in the supper only after a heavenly and spiritual manner. And the means whereby the body of Christ is received and eaten in the supper is, you want to fill in the blank? The means whereby the body of Christ is received and eaten in the supper is? Uh, Faith. Faith, right. Ha! Sacrament of the Lord's Supper was not Christ uh, was not by Christ's ordinance reserved, carried about, lifted up, or worshipped, etc. That's against the Corpus Christi stuff. But this is a key paragraph. The body of Christ is given, taken, and eaten in the supper only after a heavenly and spiritual manner, and the means whereby the body of Christ is received and eaten in the supper is faith. So are you uh, yet willing to draw some conclusions, or are we still in the phase of gathering uh, evidence? No, we're still gathering evidence because I've gathered all this. I mean, Pastor Wolfmuller, I heard, gathered all this evidence before and presented it to people, and they still said, but the Methodists still have the sacraments. So maybe next week we'll hear from John Wesley himself in a sermon on the means of grace. Got to read it first. Maybe. We will look forward to that. Thank you, Lumpy. Uh, Great to have you with us again. My pleasure. I'll keep uh, looking for that paycheck. It's in the mail, right? Yes. uh, We send it to your your Florida address. (laughs) I'm not always in Florida. All right. Well, next time you're there, but you'll when I up. do, I go to Grace Lutheran Church. Have you heard that ad? Yeah. The most Lutheran man in the world. That's pretty funny. Wish I would have thought of it. I'm not always in Florida, but when I do, I go to Grace Lutheran. Stay Lutheran, my friends. <laughs> All right. Um, let's see. What do we? Do? Oh yeah, we have an email to get to. Pastor Wolfman, are you oh. there? Hello. Wake up. Wake oh. up. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Back. How was Lumpy? Was it good? Oh man, I love it when that guy's on. Yeah, me too. You only like it because you uh, you get the uh, secondhand smoke from his pipe. That's the only reason you like it. <laughs> it's pretty funny that we had to create an alter ego to do show prep. <laughs> <laughs> what? That, that, Sorry. That's not Top really secret. lumpy? Ah. Yeah. All right. 
So we have an email uh, sent to us at questions at tabletalkradio.org. I think we actually have a couple emails today. Uh, do you have that, Pastor? Um, oh, yeah. Here, let me pull it up here. Um, I just forwarded it to you. Oh, you That's did? That's problem. Yeah. Don't worry. I got it here. So uh, it, this comes from Russell. When you said Russell? that you had it, you meant that you had it to send to me to read, not that you had yeah. it to read. Oh, okay. But that's all right. I, it's I from mean, Russell. I mean, I had it too. I just, you know, thought that maybe you wanted to read it. <laughs> Go on. Yeah, Go ahead. Who created evil? He says. God created the tree of knowledge of good and evil. He created men and angels, both whom fell. So who created evil? Uh, good question, Russell. We got a follow-up somewhere. Where's the follow-up? Do you have the follow-up there? Uh, no, I don't have it up because you said that you had it. <laughs> All right, I got it here. More thoughts. I was explaining to my uncle that because the knowledge of good and evil existed doesn't mean it did. Just because in my mind I have the idea of what a perfect woman should look like, it doesn't mean she will look like that, that she actually exists. Or because I think a blue Mercedes would be the perfect car because I can picture it and have knowledge of it. My mind doesn't make it a reality. So just because God planted the knowledge of good and evil doesn't mean he created evil. The knowledge was there, and then what? According to Peeper, who sources the Bible, God did not have an attribute that will allow him to be, even be associated with evil. But having, the no, is, but, but having the knowledge of evil is not being associated with evil, right? Thanks, Russ. Good question. Good All right, question. Go. What? I read the email, so you answer, right? <laughs> uh, I think, <clears throat> I, I, I know you have ready in your hopper... Uh, the, the Lutheran confession. So I will let you do that. But uh, I think C.S. Lewis talks about this, even though I don't read C.S. Lewis. I always everybody else does and tells me about it. Um, C.S. <laughs> good to know. Secondhand Lewis. This <laughs> is secondhand Lewis. It's not. As, it's about as good for you as secondhand lumpy smoke. <laughs> Uh, but I think he talks about uh, this uh, idea that, that, that evil is not um, a thing of itself. It's both the, both the absence of good. Um, yeah, that's the old philosopher sort of thing. Uh, uh, St. Augustine said that, too. I mean, I guess it's true. I don't really like it, though. I mean, okay, I don't let's think hear from helpful. the Confessions, then. All right. Um, this is Article 19 in the Augsburg Confession called The Cause of Sin. It's taught among us that although Almighty God has created and still preserves nature, Yet sin is caused in all wicked men and despisers of God by the perverted will. This is the will of the devil and of all ungodly men. As soon as God withdraws his support, the will turns away from God to evil. As um, It is as Christ says in John 8:44, When the devil lies, he speaks according to his own nature. Uh, so that's how they answer the question. What's the cause of sin? Where does evil come from? And the answer is not from God, but from... Uh, from the devil himself and from wicked men. Now, it doesn't get into the kind of <clears throat> existence of evil uh, from the very get-go. But there are there are passages, like this passage in, uh, what is the Potter passage in Jeremiah 18? Uh, I should probably look that up. I'll get lumpy on the job here. Uh, who, um, uh, where God says, if God, where it says, if the Lord has evil intended for a city, and they repent, he'll bring good. And if they have good, if he has good planned for a city, and they don't uh, follow in his word, then he'll bring evil. So the Bible can talk about God bringing evil on something. Uh, his judgment then is considered just that. Um, the but it, in a weird sort of way, it's his it's his um, it's kind of, it's his justice brought to bear on human wickedness, and then it becomes an evil. Mm. Um. But I guess I don't know. I guess we can go with the um, with the with the Louis Augustine answer is that evil is not a thing in itself, but a 
um, but a lack of good, or like the confessions say, a perversion of good. Uh, so it's good for Adam and Eve to eat the fruit uh, from all the other trees. It's bad for them to eat this fruit. I think maybe the most important thing to know about that is that when God put the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in there, it's not as if that tree was going to add anything. Uh, because the Adam and Eve already had the knowledge of good. In fact, God had looked at Adam and Eve and said, it is very good. And they knew that. They knew good. The only thing that they're going to gain, which is really a loss, is the knowledge of, of evil um, when they eat that tree. Hmm. So why don't you like the uh, more philosophical response there? I don't know. I don't know. It seems like it's trying too hard. I mean, look, God put the tree there, and he just said, don't eat it. And it, it's, I mean, it's fairly simple. I mean, but here, you know, God says, if you, I mean, here's where we can kind of confuse ourselves. God says, if you eat of it, you will surely die. Well, what, we can say, well, did death then um, exist because God said you will, you will die? So God invented the category of death before it actually happened because he said it? Well, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I just think it's... Just getting a little too fancy. Well, we're usually from, asking from the question, uh, did God create evil? Uh, so in this example, did God create death? And you'd have to say then the creator then of death is not God, but the, but the sinners in that situation. Yeah, right. I don't know. I mean, that's right. So just because God says it doesn't mean that he creates it. I mean, it's not when God said, if you eat of it, you will surely die. And so now, uh, you know, it'd be like, uh, it'd be like the, the mother of a criminal being really upset because say some you know say some mom has a son and the son goes and robs a bank and then she says you know it's really my fault because i had that boy you see what i mean mm -hmm. it's like well mm -hmm. i guess so <laughs> i mean it's, it's also the bank's fault that they put the money there i mean in a weird sort of way but it's, it's just i don't know no, that's a good it's analogy too, and i think i think russell's uh, example there uh, isn't far off either um of the uh the woman in the car right Right. Uh, uh, That's right. As far as having knowledge of it. That, uh, and you should learn from Russell. He's, you know, imagining the perfect woman, but then it says she doesn't exist. Um, I thought you see your your normal advice is usually low expectations, low disappointment. <laughs> that's that's for all the people calling you. <laughs> well, I, I won't object there then. Uh, all right, we have. <laughs> Um, that, that goes right on the line with the bumper sticker that says, uh, did we do this one? No brains, no headaches. And oh. it also goes right in line with the bumper sticker that says, if you don't have brakes, what's the purpose of seat belts? <laughs> <laughs> some might, some might say, that's, some, that's my advice. Some might say seat belts are even more important for a car that has no brakes. You're, look, look at you overthinking it again. I know. All right, right after this, we're going to start playing uh, Name That Theologian. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. We'll be right back. It's a brand new day. The sun is shining. It's a brand new day. For the first time in such a long, long time, I know. Okay. Table Talk Radio, the low-calorie Lutheran radio game show.
And we're back to Table Talk Radio. Time to play Name That Theologian. And oh, do I got a good one for you, Pastor Wolf Mueller. <laughs> good. I got a pretty good one for you, too. All right. We're probably the same one. Maybe. We'll see. <clears throat> this game, way the game works is we uh, read theologians and then guess who they are. Yeah, it's probably this probably is my name favorite. that theologian. <laughs> it's my favorite theologian naming game. Oh, don't don't you like that other? By the way, uh, don't you like that other theologian <laughs> naming game? What was it called? Uh, the other name, the theologian yeah. game. Yeah. No, I like this one the best. Okay, it's my favorite game we play. By the way, I have a quote for you. Ready? I Here. forgot that joke. Remember that joke? I used to say that joke. All right, give it to me. Yes. I'm going to take some notes. I'm going to listen carefully. I'm going to send it over to Lumpy, who's going to do some crack research. And then I'm going to tell you who said it. All Go. right. Uh, by the way, uh, a joke, a mark of a joke being funny is when it makes it uh, past two or three shows uh, in a row. You know, because most most things Pastor Wolfner forgets in the course of a few hours. Uh, so the fact that he remembered about this this lumpy gig, uh, that 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 marks it's it's pretty good. Oh, hilarious! By the way, I've updated uh, my Facebook page with a picture of Lumpy on there. Which is namely me smoking a pipe in the, in the morning. Oh. Hilarious. Okay. Um, this first one is rather lengthy, I'll admit. Um, but you, might, you might want to pay close attention. Okay, ready? All right. Who, who reminds me of the sin of my infancy? For none is pure from sin before you, not even an infant of one day upon the earth. Job 14. Who reminds me? Any tiny child, now, uh, for I see in that child what I do not remember in myself. What sin did I have then? Was it wrong that in tears I greedily opened my mouth wide to suck the breast? It was, uh, if it were that I do, (laughs) if it were to do that now, if, if I were to do that now, grasping to eat food appropriate to my present age, I would be laughed at and very properly rebuked. Yet for an infant of that age, it could be reckoned good to use tears in trying to obtain that which would have been harmful to get, to be vehemently indignant at the refusals of free and older people, of parents or of many other people, of good sense that would not yield to my whims or to attempt to strike them as to do uh, injury as much injury as possible. There is never an obligation to be obedient to orders in which uh, would be pernicious to obey. So the feeble of infant limbs is innocent, but the infant's mind, but not the infant's mind. I have personally watched and studied a jealous baby. He could not yet speak and pale with jealousy and bitterness glared at his brother, sharing for his mother's milk. Who is unaware of this fact of experience? Mothers and nurses claim to charm it away by their own private remedies, but it can hardly be innocence when the source of milk is flowing richly and abundantly, not to in, endure a sharing, not to endure a share going to one's blood brother who is in profound need, dependent of life exclusively on one food. What in the world? <laughs> All right, now this uh, this uh, particular author is talking about. Um, uh, if I need to prove that I'm a, a sinner from birth, then I just go look at other babies because oh. I forgot how bad I was. Uh-huh. And then I see the babies sinning there, and uh, that shows me that they are sinners. Um, 
it's kind of a it's kind of a meditation feel to it. <laughs> Let's see what's next. <laughs> was that some sort? Was that some sort of a uh, a hint that you know who this is? It's just a guess. I'm okay. just trying to get you to give away something. <laughs> Here's another like one. Meditation on sacred things or something. I stole something which I had in plenty and of much better quality. My desire was to enjoy not what I sought uh, sought by stealing, but merely the excitement of thieving and doing what was wrong. There was a pear tree near our vineyard laden with fruit, uh, though attractive in neither color nor taste. To shake the fruit off the tree and to carry off the pears, I and a gang of naughty adolescents set off late at night after, in our usual pestilential way, we had continued our game in the streets. We carried off a huge load of pears, but they were not for our feast, but merely to throw at the pigs. Even if we ate a few, nevertheless, our pleasure lay in doing what was not allowed." Such was my heart, O God, such was my heart. You had pity on it when it was at the bottom of the abyss. Now let my heart tell you what it was seeking uh, therein that I became evil for no reason. I had no motive for my wickedness except wickedness itself. It was foul, and I loved it. I loved the self-destruction. I loved my fall, not the object for which I had fallen, but the fall itself. My depraved soul leaped down from the firmament to ruin. Well, this is uh, pretty bad here. The guy's stealing pears to throw at pigs. (laughs) But he points out this. Here's the significant point, not the stealing pears point, but that that our nature is simply inclined to do evil no matter what. And uh, and, and it's shown here in this... um, We'll just, you know, you got no reason. You just sit there. So what do you do? You start doing evil things. Start thinking evil things, saying evil things, doing evil things, etc. Uh, this, by the way, is an extremely tender conscience. You can tell in the writings, and the writing seems to be training us to have tender consciences as well. Because at first we listen and we say, "You took some pears from a pear tree to throw at pigs? Big deal." Uh, but this is a, this is what a what a tender conscience sounds like. Yeah, we we don't know what that's like anymore. <laughs> I know it. All right, one more quote. Are you ready? Yeah. No one who considers his family would dare to attribute to his own strength his chastity and innocence, so that he has less cause to love you, as if he had less need of your mercy by which you forgive the sins of those who converted to you. If man is called by you, follows your voice, and has avoided doing those acts which I am recalling and avowing in my life, he should not mock the healing of a sick man by the physician, those uh, whose help has kept him from falling sick, or at least enabled him to be less gravely ill. He should love you no less, indeed even more, for he sees that the one who delivered me from the great sickness of my sins is also he through whom he may see that he himself has not been a victim of the same great sickness. Whoa. I'm not sure I followed that 100%, but I think I know who this is, by the way. Okay. <clears throat> Good. Tell me, to, to give me, review the point of that last question. Okay, I think, what he, I think what he's saying is uh, <clears throat> that if, uh, you know, if I look at a, uh, a prostitute 
and uh, and, and I see the, the forgiveness given to that prostitute, um, I have no right to, uh, to, to, to be thankful that I'm not a prostitute because I know that the forgiveness that I receive um, from God is the same forgiveness that prostitute receives, even though I'm not a prostitute. And so um, you can summarize it like this, that we, uh, we in a sense, um, are, are, uh, though we don't commit particular sins, it's the same root core sin at, at both of these that we receive forgiveness for. Gotcha. So, um, well, I'll I'll give you more on that after you uh, after you make a guess here. I'm gonna guess that this is our friend Johann Gerhard, <laughs> Sacred Meditations. And... You wrote this when he was it, it really. <laughs> Who could it possibly be? Is he gonna be someone more Pietistic than that? Then maybe someone more earlier than that. <laughs> Before Johann Gerhard, how could it not be Johann Gerhard? All right, who was it? I had I thought I had it pinned. I know. <laughs> this is St. Augustine in, uh, in Confessions. Oh, oh that is nice. Uh, I was going to I was even saying this I was going to say this sounds like someone uh, doing a confession. He was my uh, second uh, option, but never mind. I All right, well, him. I was so confident of Gerhard. <laughs> Johann Gerhard. We need to dig at that audio. What does St. Augustine again? say about good is the lack of evil? Uh, it's probably Gerhard probably never threw threw pears at pigs. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, Saint Augustine had a lot more things to be ashamed of. I was just I was just reading or... the radio of appropriate parts. Um, okay, but this is okay. So I took this class in seminary. Uh, we were just read through uh, the confessions, uh, Saint uh, Saint Augustine's confessions. And on that last note, I have this written in the margin from something that uh, the professor Professor Weinrich said. He said. Um, if you are open to sin for the pleasure of it, then you are open to any sin. You might not do any certain sins by God's grace. So in other words, uh, it, it, if I'm open to the idea of sin, that there's no sin that I'm not open to. If, you, if, it's, if it's just the fact of the matter, you don't commit a sin, it's only by God's grace. So he says, in a sense, we are guilty of sins we didn't even commit because we are given the opportunity and would have committed them uh, if we had been given the chance. Whoa. <laughs> so again, uh, this this is maybe not getting at the point of actual sin, but the point of original sin. Yeah. Um, the other the other kind of fantastic quote uh, here that w- which was kind of in in Augustine's words in the first quote um, is that uh, so feebleness of the infant limbs is innocent, not the infant's mind. And so to to put it another way, uh, an infant is only innocent insofar as limbs are too weak to do sin. But his mind is sure vile and sinful, uh, nonetheless. <laughs> That's something. That's great stuff. All right, we're going to hear from your theologian right after this. Don't go away. Want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? Table Talk Radio will be right back.
Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. I thought you'd get all excited about that song. I was excited, except for I'm trying to turn on my nook here, and I can't get it to work. Your nook? Is that one of those uh, devices where you can read books without holding a book? <laughs> that sounds like something a Facebook user would just, have. Someone, someone who doesn't, someone who wants to have friends but not be in the presence of friends would have a uh, way to read a book without holding a book. That thing, that makes sense. Yeah, my gnostic nook. It's my little, <laughs> little my little piece of gnosticism, here, right in my hand. It also, by the way, allows me to download Alfred Edersheim's The Temple Ministry and Services that they were at the time of Jesus and Bible history for free, and carry it in my bag so I can read it Is, without uh, having to wait for a thing to come. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and Facebook has all these great features like you can share pictures. Like, oh, we can't do that through email. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's just so much. <laughs> email is so much more realistic. <laughs> I don't want to see these fake pictures on Facebook. I want to see the real thing in the email. <laughs> the point oh, is, brother. people use arguments for Facebook like, <laughs> Facebook is great because you can like share pictures. Is that is that really all that new? <laughs> I think I've seen that before somewhere, sharing pictures with people. Face- <laughs> I thought you were going to get on Facebook now that you were prohibited from doing it. <laughs> the law, the law does in, it does have that effect. Um, although uh, it was coupled with that I can't have, uh, shouldn't have Facebook um, or blogs, and so I'm still holding out the possibility of creating a blog. Yeah, that'll be good. What did we? What were we going to call it? Um, I don't think we named it yet. I forgot. I, oh, I had a name the, the, for it. The worldwide gig line isn't really as catchy. <laughs> <laughs> Carrie thought of a name for it. Uh, oh, it was hilarious too. Oh yeah, that's right. Evanescence. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> Evanescence. <laughs> Get it because it's a band name too. Oh, that's that is oh, funny. And because it's good. Oh man, it just sounds like you, Evanescence. Talk about Gnosticism. That's what I was gonna name my cologne after. I'm, you know, marketing my own cologne. I was gonna name it Evanescence, but then the band took the name. <laughs> I was thinking yesterday I was gonna try to have a cologne that smells like sawdust, because I did smell like sawdust yesterday, and I thought it was pretty nice. And you thought, yeah, it's nice when I when I smell like I'm actually doing some manual labor. If I could get this. If I could capture this scent every day without having to do the manual manual labor, I think I would buy it. That's that's the process that went through your mind, wasn't it? Feel like I accomplished something? It's really actually. You know, I mean, this is the so the first time in about I don't know six seven weeks that I had a Friday Saturday to to putz around at home. So I I built shelves for the crawl space, which is pretty uh. It was really something. That was great. Yeah, you sent me anyway. A, here's a you theologian. Sent a, you ready? sent me a picture of it without using Facebook. It was amazing. Um, but I can see you just finishing your I sermon. I think I did update it on Facebook too. By the way, <laughs> I can see you Don't just worry. finishing your sermon on Sunday morning, and you, out of a sense of accomplishment, you pull out this this uh, wood shavings uh, cologne and spray yourself with it. Ah, I'm such a hard worker. Ah, yeah. <laughs> That's right. It would come with a, you know, when you order it online, it would come with a little thing of tar to put under your fingernails. Just, you've been working on the car. All right, some oil. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. Go, go, go. We find the exclusive uh, participles clearly have their place in the scripture. This is, by the way, about the term sola. Therefore, uh, all antiquity used the expression, we are justified by faith alone. And has been received by frequent use in our churches. 
It has also been viciously attacked by our adversaries on the pretext that Scripture does not have in so many letters and syllables the word sola, alone. But the substance of the matter is clearly beyond all controversy when it is shown on the basis of the exclusive terminology. We are justified by faith alone as used for what reasons it has been accepted. All right. I'm okay. going gonna, gonna, to um, limit down the field a little bit and maybe speculate that this might be a Reformation theologian. Yeah, you want me to give you you want me to give you clues on that? Oh, no, I think I deduced that by myself because it's about sola, <laughs> which is a, a Reformation term, and then also uh, talking about the adversaries, which is uh, a pretty good hint too. All right, what else do you have there? Yep. Um, if the question is asked why we fight so hard over the word sola and are not content rather with those exclusive terms found in the scriptures, we reply that we have true and important reasons. The church in all ways, uh, the church in all ages, has freely used its own mode of speaking, so that the substance of the matter can be clearly set forth, explained, defended, and retained in the face of the various traps of the adversaries. So also in the article of justification, we give first place to the exclusive participles of Paul. Uh, but there are so, uh, but there are uh, true and important reasons why we want to use and retain the word sola, and it is profitable to keep the main ones in view. For in this way, the use of the word will be better understood. It will be clear when and how we contend for it. Okay. More of the same. Once a little more. One. We are not correct. First, we are not correcting the wording of Holy Spirit as if we thought that we could speak better or more meaningfully regarding these mysteries than Scripture speaks. But because there is a different line of reasoning in our languages, we surely must make every effort to set forth as clearly as possible the meaning of the Scriptures to our people and languages familiar to us, so that it can be rightly understood by everyone without ambiguity. It's manifest when Scripture speaks of two or more things in such a way that it affirms only one but denies the rest, that in our common language, particularly in German, oops, we cannot translate this easily or in the mm -hmm. most meaningful a way other than the use of the exclusive expressions such as sola and tantum. For example, John 1.13, They are the sons of God who are born not of blood or the will of the flesh or the will of man, but who are born of God. This statement is best translated into our languages by saying only those, or those alone are the sons of God who are born of God. Likewise, Jeremiah 23, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, nor, nor the mighty man in his might, nor the rich man in his riches, but he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. We express this thought correctly and meaningfully by rendering it, he must glory only in the Lord. Romans 3, 4, Let God be true and every man a liar. This thought is popularly translated, God alone is true. 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19. We have been redeemed not with gold, not with silver, but with the precious blood of the Lamb. That is, we have been redeemed by the blood of Christ alone. Thus, when Paul says you have been justified and saved, not of yourselves, not of works, but by faith, if the question is asked how this statement can be set forth and explained without ambiguity among our people in our common language in a brief, easy, and meaningful way, it is clear that it cannot be done more conven conveniently than through the term sola and tantum, as these examples show. And because the language of Scripture is so to be rendered and explained that it can be understood, it is necessary and right that we do this. All right. That's great. Is, is, there, is there another quote? Gosh. <laughs> sure. I just keep reading. <laughs> that one was like seven pages long. <laughs> yeah. I was reading fast. Okay. Uh, let's look at the clock here. Uh, we have uh, two minutes. You want to take up the rest of the time? We don't need to play contemporary tradition. Nobody likes that game anyway. Yeah, that's right. So here, one, here, I'll give you another one. Okay. <laughs> in Scripture itself, there are examples showing that in one place... Oh, no, no, no. Here, this one. Lest any doubt remain, Scripture itself adds an exclusive expression to the word faith when it speaks of the application of the benefits of Christ. 
In Mark 5:36, to the servants who announced to Jairus that his daughter was dead, Christ says, Do not be afraid, only believe. Monon pistoyu. That's uh, only believe. Luke 8:50, Do not fear, only believe, and she shall be, be well. But we have already shown that the particle nisi, unless in English, but in Galatians 6, is definitely exclusive. Mm. All right. All right. I think that this might be our friend Philip Melanchthon. Oh, very, very close. Really? It is oh, wait, Martin wait, wait, wait. Kimnitz. Uh, oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's Commenting what, on Philip that's Melanchthon. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you meant. <laughs> Philip Chibnitz. Uh Oh, okay. Well, so this is a. This I think is I get half Martin, credit for that. Whereas, all right, I'll give you half credit because it's Chemnitz uh, uh, writing his commentary, his Loki, or Losi, on uh, on Melanchthon's Losi. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, Quite, by the way, published at the solo volume, Justification. Uh, Martin Chemnitz translated by J. A. O. Preuss. I'm reading out of here. Now this is a big fight, you know. That's why we got our number one eight hundred four eight two sola or whatever. What is it? Is that again? right? One eight hundred four eight two sola? No. One eight hundred five nine two sola. <laughs> nope. One eight hundred six nine four sola. I'll tell you what, I'll just tell you. Three eight five. <laughs> three eight five. That's close. <laughs> Anyhow, uh because uh because you know, people say, Hey, what do you guys you guys over there at the Lutheran church believe? And we say, Yeah, we got some solas. We got the sola scriptura, Bible alone, sola gratia, uh, grace alone, sola fide, faith alone. And uh, you know what happens is uh, people get worked up about it. I mean, they don't get worked up about scripture, faith, and grace. I mean, who gets worked up about that? Everyone talks about the scriptures and the and grace and faith. The Catholic Church talks. Everybody talks about it, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's the sola that causes all the trouble. Right. I mean, Jesus alone saves. I say Jesus saves. That's no big deal. Jesus alone saves. Whoa, whoa! Now you're exclusive. I, you know, I preached about that yesterday. Here's an illustration, if we got time for it. Imagine a huge city. Right, you're the exclusive claims of Christ. A huge city, that's eternal life, and it's surrounded by this massive, huge wall. And and it's 100 feet tall, 30 feet wide. You can't get over it, in it, through it, under it. But there's one little door there. That's Jesus. And we find the door and rejoice. Everyone else says, hey, the door should be over here. The door's not where I want it to be. And they throw themselves against the wall. But we rejoice in finding that door, in being found by that door, I should say. Yeah, that, I, I love it when that door finds us. Those doors find us all the time. That's all the time we have. Thanks for listening to Table Talk Radio. Well, the points are like the charge, the battery charge my Nook has now. You've been listening to Table Talk Radio. The views expressed on this show are that of the hosts and do not reflect the views or opinions of this station. (laughs) We would like your feedback on today's show. Call us toll-free, 1-800-385-SOLA. That's 1-800-385-SOLA. Or send us an email, questions at tabletalkradio.org. You can listen again to this show or any of our past shows on our website, tabletalkradio.org. Thanks for listening and tune in again next time to Table Talk Radio.